Grew up, you know, kind of Southeast Asia, Hong Kong, et cetera, jumped into real estate, you know, had a big advantage in learning Mandarin, and then used that advantage to basically go over to Hong Kong, pre-set real estate back in, uh, in Canada, which a lot of money was flowing that direction. He then said, you know what? I want higher margin, less travel. Let's launch a piece of software to help with this. That's what Spark does. They sell directly to the development companies. Development companies then use their platform on a kind of per project basis to sell, manage, and then hold on to data over the long term, which has allowed them to keep churn very low, less than 1% gross logo churn per year. They have over 100 customers paying, call it 100 or 1100 bucks a month, so about 110 grand in monthly recurring revenue. They'll do about 2 million bucks this year as they combine kind of professional services plus that healthy uh, SaaS revenue stream. Again, that's up from about a million just a year ago with their team of 20 in Vancouver. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. They had no money when they started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Simeon Garrett. He has uh, lived in six countries and over 11 cities, having helped sell real estate all over the globe. He now runs a company called Spark, a software platform for development projects with a team of 20 folks based out of Vancouver. His goal is to change the way new real estate is sold and marketed. Simeon, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready to go. All right. So tell us what Spark does and what's your revenue model? How do you make money? Yeah, so Spark, uh, we sell software to essentially real estate developers and project marketing firms for the sales, marketing, and management of new development projects. So anything primarily in the pre-sale world, um, but that could encompass anything from leasing, multifamily, or condo. Um, But essentially, we uh, are a back-end sales management software, essentially a SaaS model business that pays a monthly licensing fee uh, for us to manage the entire back-end process of selling those projects. And what would you see the average customers paying you per month? Uh, average customer is probably paying us around 1100 bucks a month. Okay. So you're, I mean, that's fairly high. You can afford to put a salesperson on an account that big. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, so is that what you're doing? Walk me through how you're getting new customers. Yeah. I mean, so there's, there's a bunch of different ways that we're actually getting new customers. I mean, a lot of it, we have an inbound from an internal sales team. A lot of us, you know, we're building lead lists. We're outbound calling. We're, we're gathering our sort of our own data. Um, and essentially our, our, our model is very much a timing game. So, you know, it's really about, you know, finding the developers that have projects that are launching in a, a appropriate time frame, And then from there, basically doing proper reach out and uh, sort of doing demos accordingly to that. And what's the total team size today? Uh, we're just about 20 people now. 20 folks, all in Vancouver? All in Vancouver currently. Uh, very good, man. I'll tell you what, something's in the water up there. A lot of, a lot of companies popping up. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, I think so. it's a good thing. Now, what's your story before this company? What were you working on? Um, so actually, I grew up in, in Asia. So I spent most of my life in between sort of China, Malaysia, um, and Hong Kong. Uh, so I kind of, you know, my family sort of Live there, so my whole life I spent there. Um, I moved to Vancouver about seven years ago, and I got into real estate essentially because I speak Mandarin and Cantonese. And being a white guy at the time, it was a it was not a bad spot to be. You know, everybody that was coming to Vancouver was essentially coming from China, buying homes here. And so I kind of got myself into a really interesting niche where I was helping developers, like real estate developers in Vancouver, sell projects overseas. So I was, you know, once every five weeks for about two years, I was flying between Vancouver to you know Beijing, Shanghai, Singapore, Hong Kong. 
you name it, um, setting up events and pre-selling condos to investment buyers in Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of how I, I mean, before that I'd done a bunch of other things, but um, primarily that was sort of my, my foray into the real estate world was really just because I you know, got lucky and spoke another language. What year was that? When did you launch? Uh, launch Spark or, or Spark. did I start doing uh, Spark was founded in 2011. 2011. Uh, I mean, technically, 2012, I guess, technically would have been our first year. Okay, 2012. And then just to be clear, before that, again, you were grinding it out. You were actually doing the selling the stuff yourself. And you said, you know what? I hate flying back and forth every five weeks. I'm going to build software that's a little has a little higher margin. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was also that, you know, I, I realized it was actually really, it was a huge frustration point for me. So I was actually being given, you know, stacks and Excel spreadsheets and files and all this, you know, this old archaic legacy software that half the time didn't work. I was going over there. I, was, I would double sell things. I would have super, you know, tons of misinformation. Um, and it wasn't just with one developer, you know, it was every single developer and project that I worked with was kind of the same process. And I was like, this is insane. Mm-hmm. $300 million tower, yet you're giving me a stack of papers to fly over and do deals with and pick, you know, get deposits. And I'm flying back and forth and there's so much miscommunication. I was like, how has nobody built a platform that makes it easier? Yep. And now what have you scaled to today in terms of total customers paying you? Uh, so we, we sort of track our customers in two different ways. Um, so one of them would be projects, so the number of actual projects that we have on the system. So we have just over 600 projects mm-hmm. right now um, that would be spread across 80 different cities. Um, but that would be spread over about 100 different clients, per se. So I mean, sometimes a client is a developer themselves. Sometimes a client is a broker. 12 developers that are clients. So it kind of is, a, it depends on how you look at it. Yeah. I mean, but if we want to kind of get a general revenue range, can I take a hundred times 1100 bucks a month and assume you're doing just north of about a hundred grand a month right now? Uh, we're, we're in that range. Yeah. We, some, some months are a little bit higher. Some months are a little bit lower. Uh, when I said we sort of are a straight SaaS model, we also have sort of a professional services piece that kind of tacks onto that. So customizations that are built on top of each individual product. Um, so a developer comes to us and says, Hey, we want to sign up. We've got five users. That's great. You're going to pay us 1100 bucks a month on average, but you know, they might have a 30, 40, $50,000 customization that sits on top of that. So it's a little bit blended. Uh, but I mean, on average, you could probably say something like that. When you look at it, just your pure SaaS business, what did you do last month? Would you say just in that? Uh, just in the pure SaaS business? Just pure SaaS. Yeah. Yeah. So we did, we did about $70,000 in pure SaaS. That's right. Yeah. So you have a, you have a really nice mix, right? The, the project stuff helps with cash flow, but you got a nice underlying base every month to work with. Totally. Yeah. Interesting. Bootstrapped or have you raised capital? Uh, we've raised a bit of money over the last kind of two years. So the first three years of the company was essentially out of my apartment, me and five other guys, you know, figuring out what we're even you doing. You have five co-founders? Well, <laughs> no, not, not exactly. We had a, a couple of people that were part of it. Initially, there's only two of us left. Okay. Um, we kind of like split ways early on. And so two of us stuck it out. Uh, my business partner, Cody and myself. And then one of our guys actually came back about a year ago. So the three of us are now back in the mix, um, but the original five kind of all dissipated early on. How do you manage kind of the equity structure when you've got two guys that are not with the company anymore, but they were one of the original five? Um, I mean, we had performance warrants and clawback stuff. So, I mean, they left, they basically gave up most of their equity. We also bought back a bunch of equity from some original guys, um, you know, not that long ago. And so mm-hmm. we so recouped a lot of that from the earlier guys. That's great. So what have you raised total to date? Uh, just over 2 million bucks, 2 million bucks. Okay. And was that an equity round from outside investors or debt or what? Uh, it was, it was all equity rounds. We, we don't have any debt. All equity. Okay. And then look, you're, you said you're doing about 70 grand a month today in kind of the pure SaaS business. Help me understand growth. What were you doing about a year ago? So if you, let's look at, so our first, our first real year in our revenue was, was 2016. We did about 400 grand, um, that year, uh, last year, 2017, we did. Oh, and that's a run rate or just cash. 
that was like what we that was like what we brought in. So total revenue for the year was was four hundred grand. Not necessarily runway. I mean, about sixty percent of that would have been okay. SaaS. Um, I'm looking at it. I mean, again, we, we could break it down on SaaS, but it's changing. That's okay. It's hard to hard to know. Um, 2017, we did just over a million bucks. Um, and 2018, we're kind of on track to do just over two. Yep. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Again, if you have 70, that's, yeah, it sounds like you right now have a basically a million dollar a year pure play SaaS model. And then there are these 40, 50, $60,000 kind of one-time projects that make up the other million. And that's where you get the two from. Totally. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, what about churn? So uh, again, just speaking obviously about just the SaaS side of things, what's your churn today and how do you manage that? Uh, we've got less than a 1% churn rate right now. So revenue or logo churn? Uh, logo churn. And that's monthly or annually? That would be annually. Yeah. Okay. Less than 1%. Okay. I'm, I'm shocked by that. Cause I assume once you're done selling a development, they don't need you anymore. So, I mean, it, it, this is sort of the interesting model and why a lot, why we differentiate from a lot of other platforms in this space. Um, so we actually license to the company. It's not necessarily for the projects. So they're, they're actually not necessarily paying us a monthly fee for every project, but the company is paying us a monthly fee. So who's they, the company like Remax? Uh, Remax would be maybe an example, but it would be more like a large developer, like the related group or Xtel or something like that. Um, so for, for, for Nato or something. Totally. Yeah. So yeah. they're going to, they're going to maintain their base account no matter what. We're also storing all their historical project data. Um, mm. projects done. So, you know, all their contracts, the conveyancing, all the purchasers, all their demographic data, all that historical information is lives inside spark forever. So those projects are always going to keep something live inside the system, whether or not that project's actually selling or not. Um, and so it's not necessarily about like, you know, we have to resell projects all the time. They're just adding projects to the existing user base that they already have inside Spark and then maybe adding or removing some users as they sort of scale up or down. Uh, when you look at the levers you have to drive expansion revenue, get, you know, customer to pay more in year two than they did in year one, you know, less than 1% gross logo churn annually, but are you in net negative revenue churn annually or no? Uh, no, we're not. Okay. What, what, what gets you there? So that surprised me a little bit. If you have such low kind of logo churn, my, my gut was telling you guys probably were, why aren't you net negative revenue churn yet? Well, I mean, so there, the way that we, I mean, again, it's kind of an interesting scenario. So we're, we've like, our pricing has changed five times in the last 12 months. So mm -hmm. when we're, when I'm looking at things from 12 months ago, I'm looking at accounts that like now we would never sign or price like that today. So it's a little bit difficult sometimes to extrapolate some of those numbers and get like a proper, you know, growth metric from that. Um, but when we actually look at like the clients internally, so we're, we're sort of tracking on a quarterly basis, the actual amount of growth, like internal client growth that we get um, per client. And right now we're seeing somewhere between like a 15 to 20% client, like internal client growth on a quarterly basis. And so that means if in Q1 they're paying you, I'm making this up, they're paying you a grand per month. You're saying in Q2, they'll expand to kind of a grand, 1,150 bucks, 15% growth. Yeah, we usually look at so we we do all and similar to how Salesforce would do things, we would we annualize all of our contracts. So they're signing up, they're paying maybe paying us eleven hundred bucks a month. Why do you manage? Why do you measure on a quarterly basis then? Uh, just for well, that's how we track sort of our internal our, our renewals and stuff. So everything from a sales team perspective is looked at. I mean, again, this is something that also shifted. We only shifted to doing annual contracts about a year ago. So some of that, some of those people are still on monthly, um, but very very few people would actually be on a monthly sort of month to month basis with us. Got it. And everybody that we would actually be signing them to an annual contract. Got it. Talk to me a little bit about CAC. What are you paying to acquire these customers? So, I mean, we only recently just hired our, our first sort of like marketing person. And we, and, you know, we don't really spend actually at this moment, we don't really spend any money actually on like AdWords or, you know, online advertising, anything like that. So the only way to really determine that would be to take our salespeople's times and divide it by the clients that we're bringing in plus sort of the expenses that we use on like trade shows, et cetera. So 
I mean, it's a, it's a very, very, very number. A lot of our clients actually come directly from referral. So we do you pay kickback? Sorry. You pay kickback. We don't pay kickback though. No. Okay. Um, I mean the real estate industry, I'm not sure how familiar you are with it is very incestuous in a way where you have like a sales director from one place, you know, goes to, goes to another place and gets poached and goes to another place. So we've actually been dragged through a lot of different clients just because people have jumped ship. Yep. Uh, and that's how we got some of our large clients. So we signed one big client and they kind of like dragged us through a bunch of their next career moves. Um, and then from there you get a lot, you know, people talk a lot, you get a lot of referrals that way. So, <clears throat> I mean, our, we, we're actually trying to figure out how to spend money on marketing. Honestly, it's a, yeah. it's, a, it's, a it's critical. It's critical. You have to figure it out though, because if you can't, then there's no way to use other people's money to grow your business, you know? Totally. And so, you know, the industry that we're in is a very kind of like, older brick and mortar style industry where you have, you know, you have trade shows that you go to, but it's not like these guys are going online and saying, Hey, what's a new, I'm going to Google yeah. sales software for new development real estate, you know, and if they do, it's going to be Salesforce that comes up and then they're going to go spend half a million bucks customizing, you know, and spending two years building something that they're, you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to be happy with. Yep. Yeah. It makes so good. That. It makes total sense to me. Let's, uh, let's wrap up here. Simeon with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Ooh, um, probably the art of war. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? I'm going to have to say Mark Benioff. Number, uh, number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business right now? Currently it's got to be LinkedIn. Okay. And, uh, what's your situation? Oh, sorry. Actually, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Depends on the day of the week. Uh, <laughs> but I would say, you know, on probably six and a half on average. And what's your situation? Married, single kiddos, single, no kiddos, no kids. None, none that you know of, right? Yeah, hopefully. Unless you're rich, <laughs> then I'm going to find them. <laughs> and how old are you? Uh, I'm 31. 31. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? I wish my 20-year-old self knew uh, more about accounting. Guys, there you have it from Simon. He wishes he knew more about accounting. Grew up, you know, kind of Southeast Asia, Hong Kong, et cetera. Jumped into real estate, you know, had a big advantage in learning Mandarin, then used that advantage to basically go over to Hong Kong, pre-set real estate back in, uh, in Canada, which a lot of money was flowing that direction. He then said, you know what? I want higher margin, less travel. Let's launch a piece of software to help with this. That's what Spark does. They sell directly to the development companies. Development companies then use their platform on a kind of per project basis to sell, manage, and then hold on to data over the long term, which has allowed them to keep churn very low, less than 1% gross logo churn per year. They have over a hundred customers paying called a hundred or 1100 bucks a month. So about 110 grand in monthly recurring revenue. Uh, they'll do about 2 million bucks this year as they combine kind of professional services plus that healthy uh, SaaS revenue stream. Again, that's up from about a million just a year ago with their team of 20 in Vancouver. Simeon, thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks a lot.